Hey there, it's Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, host of the Pat Miller Show. This show is for small business owners so they can make their business dreams come true. Our slogan is Don't Grow It Alone. And what you're going to hear is a broadcast of our show that's carried in 25 cities around the country. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Hope you love it. All right, let's go. America's small business conversation is on the air. It's the Pat Miller Show. One hour exclusively for entrepreneurs to work on your business, not in it. It's time to solve problems, capture opportunities, and celebrate your wins. Powered by the Idea Collective small business community. This is the Pat Miller Show. Now your host. Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. Welcome into the Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation. This is an hour for you and me to talk about your business. When you listen to the show, you, you, uh, you, right there, you, you're the person that I'm trying to help. Every week I'm bringing on experts and we're talking about issues that affect small business owners. I'm here to help you work on your business, not in it and I'm working hard to figure out how I can help you. And I figure the best way I can is to get you thinking, to get your eyes up on the horizon, to help you start thinking bigger and taking on the topics that maybe you're not thinking about. So on today's show, we're gonna do just that. We're gonna go through our numbers. Boring, I know. We're not really gonna go through our numbers. We're gonna have a talk with our friend, Brent Helfwassen, and we're gonna talk about which numbers do we need to know and which numbers can we ignore? Because we both know that QuickBooks will kick out a ton of information. So what should we be paying attention to? Because we can't pay attention to everything because we got stuff to do and numbers are boring. But don't tell Brent I said that. But we'll talk with Brent in a minute. We're also going to talk about trademarks. Do you have your stuff protected legally? Or is it just laying out there for anyone to come along and steal. I mean, borrow. I mean, be inspired by. If it's not trademarked, it's vulnerable. But I'm small and, you know, how do I start the process? And isn't that expensive? No, not really. When you think about the pain that would be caused if someone totally ripped you off, wouldn't that be devastating? We're bringing on Carolyn Yonke from Athena Legal Solutions to have a for real talk with us about trademark protection and what we should know on today's show. Then the third thing we're going to do is a small business celebration. You know I love my small business celebrations. And we're going to talk with Jen Fry. Jen is a coach and a public speaker. She does keynotes all the time. She challenged herself to get 12 speaking gigs in 90 days, paid ones, real ones, and she did it. We're going to celebrate with her about that fact, but we're also going to say, okay, how did you do that? She's going to give us uh, how she did it later in the show. So numbers, legal protection, and how to go out and get more stages. Sound good? Cool. Now let's talk about you and how to get more clients. If you're just starting out, this conversation is for you. If you've been in business for a minute, it may re-inspire you to go out and find more clients. But I want to talk specifically to the small business owner that is just getting started. How 
do you go out and find the right people to work with and get your first paying customer? All of us had to face it at one point or another. And all of us that have had our first paying customer can probably remember our first customer by name. Shout out to Platinum Travel and Sarah Nowacki. Whenever I see Sarah at a networking event, I always call her number one. Hey, number one, how you doing? She'll always have a special place in me and my business. Uh, And I'm sure if you've had client number one, you feel the same way. But if you're just starting out and you don't know how to get that first paying client, this is for you. We're going to talk about what you do to get started, how you go and meet the right people, and then once you meet the right people, how do you get them to pay you? The first thing you need to do, and this is a gut check, if you're going to go into small business, you don't have a sales department, you don't have a PR team, you don't have anyone to go out there and promote you, most likely you're the business. So if you're going to get into small business, don't bother if this sentence freaks you out. You have to put on real pants and go meet people you don't know. Now, if that statement freaks you out, you should probably go work for someone else. Because it's just a fact of small business. You have to put on real pants and you have to go out and meet people that you don't know. And when you do that... You need to have the post-it note on your chest. If you don't know how to network, two episodes ago, I did an entire segment on how I network and how I coach people to network. So if you don't know how to do it, go back and listen to that episode. But once you put on real pants, you have a post-it note on your chest and you need to go out and meet people you don't know. And written on that post-it note is the one thing they need to know about you. So if we met at a networking event, my post-it note reads... Pat Miller, the idea coach, I solve small business problems with a radio show and an online community. That's what I do. So whatever it is you do on a post-it note on your chest, really easy to explain to people what you do. So you're not afraid to go out and talk to people. You know what you want them to know about you. Okay, so what do you do next? When you go out, I mean, I'm talking a charm offensive. I'm talking five, six networking events in a week. Because listen, this is like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. The ball is rolling behind you. You need to run as fast as you can to go build your business. Because you may think, well, I've got a bank loan or, you know, I've got 90 days to get this thing up and running. No, er, wrong. Big ball, Indiana Jones, rolling right at you, you better sprint. So get up and go meet people. And as you're out there meeting people, I want you to listen for your ideal client. At first, any business is good business. That's fine. But for this strategy, I want you to listen for your ideal client. And when you find the perfect person that you want to work with, here's the next step. Oh, Bob. I'm doing X and you need X. Could we sit down because I want to work with you? And Bob, of course, would say, sure, no problem. When you get in the conversation with Bob, here's what you get to steal. Okay, this isn't trademark. Carolyn's not going to get mad at me. I'm going to give you what I say to people to start a conversation. Bob, here's my magic wand. I'm holding a pen. In 90 days, what's different about your business if I help you? Oftentimes, Bob will have an answer right away. Oh, yeah, well, this. 
cool. Then you know what you're going to be doing for Bob. So you've got your ideal client and now you've got your scope. And then you can say, okay, let's set some goals. Okay, you want this big result. What if in 90 days I could get you to 25% of the result and 50% of the result by the end of 90 days? Would that be amazing? Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. You could do it that fast? Yeah, I think I could. Okay, well, Bob, if I could give you that result by the end of 90 days, here's what I want you to commit to do. At the end of 90 days, when I've hit my results, you're going to give me a positive review and you're going to put it on your LinkedIn. Would you do that, Bob? Okay. And you're going to hire me at this rate for this term. Because after 90 days, if I'm getting these kinds of results already, we would agree that you wouldn't want to let me go, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we'd work together at this rate, right? Yeah, that seems fair. Okay, done. And then for 90 days, you go do the work for Bob for free. Now, there's a coach or there's a consultant that's listening to this right now. Ah, oh, don't work for free. Da, da, da. Okay, shh, you shh. Go get your own radio show. Because this is how I help people go from zero clients to an ideal client out of the gate and a steady stream of future ideal clients. Because here's the magic. If you don't get client one, you're not going to make any money in the first 90 days anyway. So why not start proving your worth to your ideal clients who are opting in to not only hire you, but tell other people like them that you're good at what you do. So you're betting on yourself. You're going to work for Bob for 90 days and you're going to kill it. You're going to kill it for Bob because at the end of 90 days, his goals will be met. He's now signed on to be your very first client at a good rate. And now he's out there telling people that you are awesome. You have to agree that you're going to run for office. You have to know what you want people to know about you. You need to go out and find your ideal clients, and then you need to have the courage to bet on yourself with a magic wand and then kill it for client number one. That's how I tell people to go get their first client. And if that's your situation, man, I wish you luck. And when you get your first client, you're going to come on the Pat Miller Show, and we're going to do a small business celebration together. Sound good? Coming up, we're going to talk about our numbers. Brent Helfwassen, Milwaukee's small business coach. What do we need to pay attention to and what can we ignore? That's next on this episode of The Pat Miller Show. America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Krista Morrissey for Choices Coaching and Consulting. Do you know where most small businesses go wrong? They invest in everything except their leaders. But through strong leaders comes strong business. Are you doing it wrong? Most small businesses focus on production and numbers. Production and numbers come through strong, resilient leaders. And strong leaders strengthen culture. They strengthen your resiliency and they strengthen your bottom line. I develop strong, resilient leaders who will drive your business. It is time for you to refocus your investment. Go to choicescoachingconsulting.com and let's you and I start the conversation now before someone else invests in your leaders. When you invest in your leaders, you invest in the bottom line of your business. Connect with Krista at choicescoachingconsulting.com. Act now. Krista at choicescoachingconsulting.com. 
Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Sometimes you have to talk about the real thing that could be a real danger to the survival of your business. Because we could talk about branding or sales or entertaining your clients or all the fun stuff that we get to do. But today we have to talk about what we must do. And here to deliver the medicine, Brent Hafwasson, Milwaukee's small business coach. Brent, welcome to the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? Pat, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Longtime listener, first time caller. So happy to be here. <laughs> glad you're here. And I'm glad you're here to uh, deliver the tough news to everyone about looking and knowing our numbers. And you've got a catchy way to say that. How do you talk about getting people to look at their numbers? Because I've heard you say it once and it's really clever. Look, here, here's the deal. Most people are like, I hate numbers. I can't stand numbers. Like I, I think about Excel sheets and I start to get queasy and want to vomit. The deal is looking at your numbers is not going to kill you. The problem is looking at your numbers, that'll kill your business. Hmm. I don't want to look at my numbers though. How come people are allergic to the idea of looking at their numbers? Because sometimes it's just, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to look. So here's my belief. And I've experienced this a lot when I've been coaching clients. We are usually amazing as entrepreneurs and small business owners. We're amazing at our skill or craft or our trade. And when people think about how are you doing, it was like, look, you know, my gallery is awesome. I've got cupcakes in the display case. You know, I spoke on the stage last night, whatever the thing is that we love to do, the, the challenge is, uh, well, we can make numbers lie, but by and large, when you look at your profit and loss statement, it tells a story that may be different than the narrative we tell ourselves. And in the end, it, it is another form of, I don't really want to look at all the things it takes to make my business great. I'm hoping, hope is not a strategy, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I'm hoping that if I just keep doing more of my thing, that eventually it'll all work out. If we had 10 business owners lined up here in front of us right now, and those 10 business owners weren't looking at their numbers, on average, do you think that they're broker and more in trouble than they think? I will say that every single person that I've, and I've coached over 600 different entrepreneurs, every single person I've talked to who assured me that they were doing well financially, and then usually take about a month to finally get me the numbers, <laughs> And I assume that's probably the 10 we're talking to today. <laughs> yeah. All of them are in more difficulty. Oh, my revenue is usually about X. Mm, no, I'm sorry. It's a little bit less than that. I'm sure I'm making money. Well, only if you don't include all those other expenses that you're paying for, but you didn't really think about when you told me, I know I'm making money. It, it's a challenge of we spend more when we're not watching it. And we tend to be overly optimistic on how the revenue is doing. We remember the one great Saturday when we crushed it at the restaurant, it did $5,000. And we forget about the Monday through Thursdays during the month when we were doing $100. Okay. Nobody likes to look at the mirror. No one wants to think about where they're at. But you're telling us it's super important. So if we're going to hold our nose and click on QuickBooks and look at the numbers, what do you recommend as a rhythm or a strategy? What is an acceptable amount of knowing your numbers? Oh, that's a great question. I think one of the other uh, more legitimate questions than we just kind of want to bury our head and not look at it is when you get the statement sometimes back from our bookkeeper or accountant, or you're doing it yourself, the thing runs for like two pages and you've got all these sums and breaks and whatever. And that is a little bit intimidating, particularly if that's not your area of expertise. So I tell people, look, there's really three numbers that matter when you look at that sheet. And 
honestly, I would tell you to look at them weekly, particularly if you're retail or, or you're doing something with a high transaction volume, you need to look weekly because if it gets out of whack, looking at the end of the month, you can't do anything to fix that month by the time you look at it at the end of the month. If you're in a service business and you don't have as high of a transaction volume, monthly would be the minimum. What I want you to do is you have to know what's your revenue. When I ask any entrepreneur, hey, how was your revenue last month? How was your revenue last year? I want you to be able to tell me, look, last year I did $50,000. You should know that without even thinking. If it's last month, let's say last month I had a $5,000 month. Doesn't matter if it's 4,700 or 5,200, that doesn't matter, but you should know the general number. Now you mentioned three things we need to know. The revenue number, that's one of them. Are there two more or is it three styles of revenue we need to no, know? No, it's there are two more. So revenue is your first number you have to know. The next one is your gross profit. So gross profit and its cousin, the gross profit margin, that's your revenue minus what it costs you to do your business. If you're a restaurant, that's minus what it takes to do all your food and your food prep. You know, if you're selling books at the bookstore, that's you bought the book from your distributor for a dollar and you sold it for $2. So you made $1 gross profit. You have to know what that number is because you can't figure out how much you need to sell in order to cover all your costs of rent and everything else without knowing that number. That is like that is like the golden number. You've heard of the golden ratio? Your gross profit is the golden number for your business. And the last one, just to be simple, is your what's your total profit? Don't talk to me about depreciation. So technically it'd be EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Don't care about that. I want to know how much cash is going out the door. At the end of the day, what's your net profit? Do you have cash coming in or do you have cash going out? You will be floored, Pat, on the number of entrepreneurs I work with that their revenue is pretty good. Their gross profit's pretty good, but they're not watching You know, all the, well, it does turn out my utility bill is a little bit high and I guess $5,000 a month for rent is a little higher than I really needed to and my employees, and oops, I lost $10,000 this month, but I'm doing really good. I'm like, you're going to do really good until you're bankrupt. So yeah, if you know those three, your revenue line, every, at least every month, your gross profit line in, in the percentage, which is just gross profit as a percent of your sales and your net profit. If you're at least watching those, those are the indicators you can go back then to your experts and say, hey, help me out. This isn't where it used to be. Now I'll do some digging deeper. Don't get worried about the other 700 lines on that form. They don't matter. If those other three are good, the rest don't matter. They're fine. When those three aren't good, then we take a deeper look. That's a good rule of thumb. And I want to ask you two quick follow-up questions. How many months of operating should we have on hand in cash? Or how do you think about holding a cash reserve if you're running a small business? That's that's a tough question because if you're growing, you know, cash becomes a tight, tight issue because you're buying more inventory, et cetera. At the end of the day, when I forecast, when I forecast forward, I got to figure out where's my business at. I, I like to do you have at least six six weeks to eight weeks worth of cash on mm -hmm. hand. Um, but but it's a hard rule of thumb because if you're a high transactional volume and you have good client flow, you're fine. If you are a uh, you get a big hit, like a big speaking engagement followed by a flurry of book sales and other stuff. And then maybe you don't have some for two months. Well, make sure you have it covered. Look okay. at your trend. That's what I'm going to tell you. It's so let's ask the follow-up question then. Let's talk about debt load. Just lightning round super fast. How much debt can you carry on the business before it really gets to be a problem? Boy, if you're, I think if your debt exceeds your annual revenue, you are, you are in some, uh, 
significant trouble because you don't get to keep all that annual revenue. By the way, that's another thing. Don't tell me how much you're making by telling me how much your total sales are Mm -hmm. because you've got all the other expenses that are on there. And when your debt's that high, not only is your interest high, it's hard to pay it back. So if you're having a discussion, hey, I can launch this thing. I need a hundred grand to get started. I'm I'm going to make quote a hundred grand a year. And when I ask you, you're like, oh, that's a hundred grand in sales. Ooh, that's tough because maybe you're pocketing 20 or 30. Now I got to pay myself and pay the lender back and interest. And it starts to feel like this millstone on your neck. I love using debt to be able to grow wisely. But I, I again, when I see that number get too big, makes me makes me cringe. I thoroughly enjoyed an unenjoyable conversation. Brent Halfwasson from Milwaukee Small Business Coach. Thanks for coming on and giving us what we needed to know. I appreciate it. Anytime, Pat. Happy to be here. Could you imagine if someone ripped off your brand name or your product? Is it trademarked? Is it protected? No. Where do you start and how does it work with Carolyn Yonke next on The Pat Miller Show? America's small business conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Are you a woman who needs to protect and grow your business? Or do you have a secret dream to start one? I bet you do. If you don't have a lawyer on your side, you may be putting your family and personal assets at risk. I know, I know. You might be avoiding lawyers because they seem overwhelming or intimidating. That's why you have to meet the team at Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. This all-woman team of talented lawyers are the most approachable, knowledgeable, and friendly team you'll ever meet. They exist solely to support women business owners who often go without the legal support they truly need. In 2023, they want to help 223 women create a solid legal foundation for their business. The first 100 women who mention this ad will receive over $100 off of their LLC starter package. Visit Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. You have a brand. Your business's brand is one of the most important things on your plate. As a business owner, you keep up with the trends. So what's hot these days? It's live events. Owning your small business combined with speaking at live events positions you as the expert in your field. That's where Bankable Events comes into play. Bankable Events is an event advisory and management firm with a primary focus on maximum conversion events. With more than 4,000 live events under their belt, they have the expertise to design face-to-face events that get your audience pumped up and generate profits. The minute you partner with Bankable Events, they'll start creating a customized strategy to take you from idea to income. Just think of the opportunities ahead for you. Call 303-550-1123 or head to bankableevents.com. Join over 1,000 other small business owners and CEOs who use Bankable Events to build community and drive revenue. That's bankableevents.com. Now, America's small business conversation continues on the Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation. As you know, I gauge my success on you finding success. And if you're building a business that's doing great things, what if someone comes by and rips you off? That's not cool. You want to protect what you're building. And a way to do that is to get your stuff trademarked. But how do we go about it? What does that mean? What's entailed? Good thing we literally have an attorney on the show today. Carolyn Yonke, founding attorney of Athena Legal Solutions. Carolyn, thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? I'm great. 
sunshine and what work do you want? Uh, I don't know. I want to make sure people don't jack with my stuff. I've been building a business for a while and trademarks seem to help protect our interests and our uh, intellectual property. So let's start with the basics. What is a trademark and what does it do? Trademark is an identifier of the source of goods and services. So when you think about that, it's your brand, right? And so when somebody sees something that says, like for Pat Miller, don't grow it alone, that signifies Pat Miller and it means that. And so it helps create goodwill and credibility that, you know, all the good things that you've put out in the world, you get that value from your trademark. So if you get the trademark for a phrase that's important to you, like don't grow it alone, what does that provide you? It provides protections, but what does that mean? It means that if other people are out there using that trademark for the same goods and services, that you can tell them to stop, that they wouldn't be trying to make money off of your goodwill, you know, selling a cheaper, lesser version of your um, your services. Okay, so if I'm uh, providing a service like an online community like the Idea Collective and someone else was trying to build their community saying don't grow it alone, then I could have an attorney like you send them a letter saying, hey, knock it off. A cease and desist. Yep. And in fact, you are obligated to do that as a trademark owner, because if you just let everybody use it, then it's really not special to you. So you have an obligation as a trademark owner to actually go out there and tell people, stop it. Otherwise, the trademark office might say, well, you don't actually keep that as unique to you. It's actually you'll let anybody say that. Okay, I want to come back to the obligation in a second because I want to talk about how we get it. So if we have a phrase or if we have something that we want to get trademarked, what is that process like? Can we trademark anything? No, you can't trademark anything. It has to be unique. It has to actually be, you have to actually use it. So you can't just trademark a bunch of things that you don't actually sell. Um, It's a long process. You have to do a search with the USPTO because everything with the government costs money and you don't want to spend all that money if you (laughs) know there's somebody out there who already has that trademark. So you want to search. You want to figure out what you're protecting. Um, Is it a hat? Is it a t-shirt? Is it candles? Is it your idea collective, the online community, right? Um, You have to know what it is you're protecting. And then you file. And I will say this is where people who don't use a lawyer often run into trouble. Aren't quite sure what their goods and services are. And so once you file with the government to make any changes, it costs money. And so those mistakes can start to add up and get costly. And oftentimes, if you come to a lawyer after the fact, when the government said, hey, this doesn't seem right, we'll have to start all over completely. And you'll have wasted hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. We do the search and no one's using the phrase or no one's using the product or we're not competing with something. And then the lawyer fills out the paperwork, puts it in, and you say it's a long process. How long is a long process? It can take 12 to 18 months. Whoa, whoa. Mainly because COVID backed up the federal government. So what used to be like a three to six month process is now 12 to 18 months because they are just taking forever to review your applications. But the good thing is is that as soon as you file, 
your application, like that's your start date. So once it goes through after 12 to 18 months, you actually have protections all the way back to that first date you filed. So that's good. And if anybody files after you, you held your place in line. They can't come in and like swoop in and take it from you. Okay, so let's say you start using it. 90 days later, someone else starts using it, but you filed. You can now have precedence over them. That's part of the reason of putting in the application right away. Absolutely. That's exactly it. Okay. It's not about who used it first. It's about who filed first. Oof. Ooh, that makes it even more encouraging. So when is the time to file? Because I would think... Well, I'm not big enough to get my own trademark. That seems like something major corporations would do. If I'm just a run-of-the-mill small business owner, when should I do it? That's evolving as businesses change because of COVID, right? So if you're an online business, the likelihood of you bumping into different brands in other states exponentially increased now. I mean, even in, in businesses where you wouldn't have thought about it, like therapy services, right? Like you do health therapy, but now you can do telehealth. So like we've had mm -hmm. clients who were a counselor in one place, but now they're doing tele telehealth in two states and they're getting cease and desist. And they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And they have to rebrand their whole business because there's somebody in Colorado who uses the exact same counseling service name because they had a trademark. And they filed first. They weren't the first to use it, but they filed first. And I think that's the thing we need to highlight. If you don't take action on your trademark and decide to start trading online, someone might call you up one day and say, you can't call yourself what you've been calling yourself. What is it like when you deal with a small business owner that receives that cease and desist and they didn't protect their mark? Oh, it's a freak out, right? I mean, People fall in love with their business names, right? It is a piece of you, your name and, and what you do. And you have the domain name, you have the social media handles, right? You've done all the things that you thought were right. And you're going to have to change all. We're talking with Carolyn Yankee from Athena Legal Solutions about trademarks, when to get them and what happens when you have them. Let's talk about that part now. You get the trademark. You're out there sharing it with the world. You mentioned an obligation. It's not just getting the trademark. You then have to live the trademark. What are the best practices for trademark holders to make sure that they get to keep it? All right. Number one is you have to change everything. Once you become a registered trademark, you switch from using the TM to the circle R. And that's the R with the circle around it. Um, that is number one. You have to show that it's registered or the USPTO will knock you. You also have to then make sure that you're using it appropriately in all your contents, you know, with the circle R. Then you have to monitor it. You have to look for those people who are out there using it because the whole point is that it is an identifier of you and you only. And that's why it's trademarkable. And so you have to be out there monitoring the registrations the websites, the social media, all the different things, which who as a small business owner has any time and energy for that? Right? No. <laughs> but it's important because if you came up with a really great idea and there's a big fish out there who goes, hey, you know, McKinsey goes, don't grow it alone. I think that Pat Miller's on to something. If they go and start using it and they have the money and the lawyers to say, 
Pat wasn't out there defending. I mean, you're going to get gobbled up and you'll lose that trademark that you invested thousands of dollars in. Okay. I don't want to ask this question, but we kind of need to know the answer. How do you go about doing all the monitoring if you don't have time to do it? You work with a lawyer or a service. And I, of course, highly recommend a lawyer because a lawyer can tell you, actually, when you find somebody who's using your mark, the only option isn't just to send them a cease and desist. The option might be to license your trademark to them and so make a little money off of that trademark. As long as you're doing that and you have those agreements in place, the USPTO is perfectly fine and will allow you to continue to have your trademark. So this show is wildly informative and super helpful to everyone that listens, but this is a legal issue and some people have questions. Do you take phone calls for initial questions if people are curious about this whole trademark issue and when should I get one? Is that okay to reach out to you and ask a couple of questions before the meter starts running? Yeah, absolutely. We do free consultations for everyone. Um, lawyers are scary. We know that. Um, we try to be as unscary as possible. And so <laughs> we want you to ask questions. It's when people in small businesses, particularly who are afraid that every little conversation is going to, you know, cost money. Like we don't charge like that. Let's have a conversation. And in fact, your trademark will be a flat rate. And so you'll know exactly how much it's going to cost and we can figure out payment plans. You're working way too hard to get ripped off. Carolyn Yonke from Athena Legal Solutions. She can help you make sure that doesn't happen. Carolyn, thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. A celebration for a really good cause. And you want to hear this if you are an aspiring public speaker. On the way, we're going to celebrate with Jen Fry, a coach and a speaker who challenged herself to book 12 speaking gigs within 90 days. And she did it. We'll celebrate and learn from Jen Fry next on the Pat Miller Show. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Developing your business is a journey, so make sure and bring along a trusted sidekick. As your business grows, Sidekick Accounting will be there. Sidekick Accounting's core services help take the confusion out of bookkeeping, tax preparation, and tax planning. Who's going to keep track of all those pesky receipts and invoices? Well, Sidekick Accounting has things covered as you grow your version of business success. So whether your small business is a side hustle or a conduit to freedom and owning your own business in time, get in touch with a trusted Sidekick, Sidekick Accounting. There are expert advisors waiting to hear from you now. Feel free to call or send a text message to 414-310-7689. That's 414 414- 310-7689. You can find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit sidekick-accounting.com. Remember, developing your business is a journey, so bring along a trusted sidekick. Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation, and is it wrong to have a favorite segment of the show? Well, too bad, because I do. Doing celebrations is pretty much my favorite thing because it feels so good to hear other people win. And joining us today to do a small business celebration is Jen Fry. She runs Jen Fry Coaching. Jen, welcome to the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? I'm amazing. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here to celebrate. 
Now, I'm excited to hear your celebration, but I want everyone to know what you do. So before we celebrate, tell us what does Gen Fry Coaching provide? So I work one-on-one with leaders to help them really understand what are the roadblocks getting in the way of their success. So mm. I, I kind of think of myself as like really good at finding and unblocking thoughts. And it sounds simple, which it sort of is. But the problem is just like a brain surgeon can't do brain surgery on her own brain. You can't see your own thoughts. We can't see our own thinking because we're in our own brains all the time. So I come in, ask my, my clients questions and help them understand that what they think are business problems are actually very often mindset problems. I've never heard it put that way. What a powerful way to describe it. All right. I need to hear about the celebration part. So now we know what you do. What yes. are we celebrating today? Yeah. So I work one-on-one with clients and my goal was to start getting paid to do workshops and presentations and speaking. So my goal was to, to schedule 12. So ideally, I was looking for two paid workshops or presentations over a duration of six months. And I wanted to get it booked in Q1. And then the second part of that goal was to launch my podcast to support that speaking. And here we are, we're not even done with Q1 and both have happened, which feels really amazing. Uh, Mic drop moment, 12 gigs and a podcast. Wow, that's incredible. So first of all, congratulations. And I'm curious, you said you're launching a podcast to support the speaking. That sounds interesting. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so my thought was, I know for myself, when I go to trainings and presentations, there's a lot of material and it's really hard to walk away with everything. So if I can offer my clients a presentation, a workshop, and they get something out of it, but maybe they're like, what did she say again? What was that story? Now there's a resource I can direct people back to with my free podcast. It also helps because if you're thinking about hiring a speaker, but it's someone you've never met before, you actually have an opportunity to hear some of my content, learn a little, little little about me, understand my voice, understand my perspective, so that it feels like you already know me when you're looking for a speaker. Yeah, that's really valuable. We book uh, folks for the Idea Collective Retreat, and that is the first thing that we do. What's online? Is there a YouTube? Is there a podcast? So kudos on that. I have a lot of people that ask about getting stages, and it's not an easy thing to do. Do you mind sharing some of the secret sauce? How were you able to book 12 gigs so quickly? So as a life coach, of course, I'm going to tell you mindset came first, right? Number one, I had to believe that I had something worth saying. Number two, I had to believe that people wanted to hear what I had to say. And then I could kind of move past all of the other drama that my brain was creating, like the I don't knows that really love to pop up. And then honestly... I went back to the most simple thing I could think of because I want business to be fun and I want it to feel easy as often as I can. So to do that, I just started telling people, this is what I'm doing. I started letting people know that this was an interest. Some people might call this a way of manifesting, right? But manifesting isn't like sitting at my desk and just hoping. Manifesting is planting those seeds and putting it out into the world so that people know it's something I want and I'm open to. So that's really where it started. And then I got referrals and people booked me for a second time or a third time. And it's just really snowballed very quickly. 
I've heard stories like that before, where they say they're manifesting, but they're really putting in all the work and planting the seeds. And sometimes the biggest opportunities come from the least expected places. Is there yes. one of the 12 gigs that like fell out of the sky and you didn't even realize that they wanted you? Yeah. 100%. I worked with a team about 10, 12 years ago. And I got a I got a LinkedIn message that said, Jen Fry, every time I get on LinkedIn, I see you on there. We need to talk. I think you can help me with my team. And I was so excited because this is a person who we were like work besties. We right, we went through all of it together. And so to hear from this person and that they remembered me and were wanting to work with me again, that was like a dream come true. So super exciting opportunity to serve someone who I just think so fondly of, I think so highly of. That's just double good right there. You got the yeah. gig and it was for somebody cool. Yeah. I want to take the listeners behind the scenes for a second. Before we started our episode here, you riffed this brilliant thought on why celebration is important. And I've always thought celebration was just cool to do, but you were just dropping knowledge of their science behind it. Can you share with everyone what you were talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about our brains, when we, so there's a couple, a couple points. One is our brains love repetition. So the more we celebrate, it's like the easier we can actually make it to do the hard thing. So we give our brains a little bit of a reward, a little bit of a dopamine hit at the end of something that feels challenging. Like it feels hard sometimes to make an offer. It feels hard sometimes to put ourselves out there on social media or LinkedIn. But if we know every time we do that, we get that little dopamine hit of celebration, our brains have a little bit less resistance. We also know that the part of our brain that wants to keep us safe, that wants to keep us like in the cave, away from all the scary stuff, is really designed for three things. To increase pleasure, to avoid pain, and to stay efficient. So if we can add that little bit of pleasure into the equation, it just makes it easier for our brains to get on board. It feels a little bit less painful, a little bit more pleasurable, and a little easier. So we can actually use our brain to work for us. Well, I just learned something. I thought it was just fun to do, but I, now that we're coaching ourselves I mean, up to be at her. That is true also, right? It is fun <laughs> to do. And I think sometimes people, it's like they don't know how to celebrate. So I encourage people to really think about what does that look like for you? Like for me, it's a little dance party by myself. It's taking some time to rest. Um, one of the things that I did is I, I knew that without a doubt, I would be able to launch a podcast. So I signed up to go to a podcast convention in Vegas at the beginning of March. Now, when I signed up, I had no podcast, uh, but yeah. I'm like, well, this is who I am now. I'm a podcaster. So obviously I need to go where the podcasters go. So doing things like that, it is fun and it does feel good. Well, I could celebrate my way into about anything if there was a Vegas trip waiting for me on the other end. Congratulations on getting all of the stages and launching the podcast just in time for Vegas. Thanks for coming on The Pat Miller Show. Thank you so much. Did you know that we podcast every episode? Go to patmillershow.com and hear all of our previous interviews and content. I'm Pat Miller, The Idea Coach. We'll talk to you right here next week. 
Thanks for listening to The Pat Miller Show. See patmillershow.com for more information on today's guests, events, and the Idea Collective small business community. A worldwide group working together to fight fear, inexperience, and isolation for small business owners everywhere. Join us next week for The Pat Miller Show. And remember, get clear, work hard, and never quit. Guests on The Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of the show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.